Good morning. Wonderful to see all of you here. Uh, this is a beautiful time of year. I've mentioned that the past few Sundays. Well, last night was no exception. We had the young people out to our house, had a great time, went and did some caroling, and so glad that you allowed them to come over and eat and uh, fellowship. They had a great time, and we really do have a great bunch of young people. Uh, so very proud of them and, and the parents that are involved, and our, and our youth ministry is doing a great job as well. So happy to be a part of this congregation. There is an incredible feeling of togetherness that we had last night, and I hope that you have in your family as well in the final weeks of this month. And I hope you're taking advantage of it. As I watch you know, some of the classic movies, it's great to see that feeling. Nothing else to do, it gets dark at 5 o'clock, so might as well sit inside and watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Well, some people also, though, struggle during this time of year. A loved one may not be with us anymore, and this makes the season especially difficult. Also, though, as the year wraps up, people see this as a time of year to reflect and hopefully make the next year a better one. New Year's resolutions will begin. My fitness center I go to, it'll be packed next month. It'll be thin again around mid-February. But people want to try to make the next year better. There's an attempt during this time of year to do just that, to make things how they should be, how we would like to see them, such as in this Norman Rockwell painting. The freedom from want, one of his four freedoms, freedom of speech, uh, freedom from fear, and freedom of religion, this being the freedom from want, very popular painting. To have anything close to this during the Christmas season, and all others, however, you have to give some gifts, gifts that everyone needs. If you want it to look like that painting, if you want to have a life similar to that, to the ideal as much as you can make it, as much as you within your family within your world, within your realm, can make it. We have to start giving some gifts that everyone needs. Gifts that are heavy, but that lift burdens. Gifts that are difficult, but that make life so much easier. Gifts that everyone here has the capacity to give to anyone, because they are limitless, but so few know they have the capacity to give. You can this very day. Give these three gifts. There's more I'm sure we could talk about. But give these three gifts to everyone you meet, and they don't cost a dime. The first one is love. Christ's love should be our standard. That as we look at him and see how he met people and greeted them and interacted with them, I want to love as Jesus loved, and I hope you can too. John chapter 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's a tall order, and I see myself failing miserably at this all the time, and I, maybe I need to pray about it more, maybe you do as well, to love as Jesus loved. Jesus saw the world with lost people. And if we're to love as he did, I think we have to see people as he saw them. 
He saw the world with people who needed someone to say, I love you and it's going to be okay. Not just with their words, but with their actions. He did not see what he could get out of them. He didn't think about what he could do to hurt them. He didn't consider himself before others. He saw a man, a woman, or a child in need of freedom from the bounds of this world. He saw them and said, I love you no matter what. And we should do the same. How do you treat your co-workers? How do you treat those around you that know you attend here? Talked about that last week. Some people don't know how to love for various reasons. They were never shown it appropriately themselves. It makes loving as an adult very difficult. Or maybe they don't know how to love because they're selfish or they don't believe they are worthy of love either. So they push people away because to love others, you must love yourself. I preached on that a while back. Love others as you love yourself and sometimes people have a very difficult time with that. There may be something on the inside of some of you this morning that is keeping you from loving others because you just don't love yourself. Our love must be a few things. Number one, it must be without hypocrisy. Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. In other words, you've got to love people and mean it. You've got to show it to them. You've got to, you've got to tell them about it. And you can't be hypocritical. You can't say in one sentence, you know, I love you, and in another sentence, do something else. Do something to harm them. Do something out of jealousy or greed. Do something that is self-serving. Because when you're looking out for yourself and not for the other people around you, then your love has hypocrisy. 1 Peter 1.22 Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Fervently, and it's got to be sincere. You've got to mean it. And it's tough to do. It's tough to do because we're busy. It's tough to do because we have inner struggles. But if we can pray more to God and depend more on Him, we'll see this love that He had for His disciples. We'll slowly begin to understand it and realize the kind of love we need to have for each other. Because our love must also be abounding. Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. We need to pray that we can love the unlovable. And sometimes that includes ourselves. Those people, whatever group, whatever person that's out in the world, that maybe is even in this very room, you need to pray that you love that person. Because you don't want to be hypocritical. You want to be sincere. And you want to be abounding in love. Because guess what? This gift doesn't cost anything. And you can give it to anybody. We must love a few other people as well that I think the Bible speaks specifically of. He speaks of you know, loving people in the world, loving, loving our brethren, but there's some other people we need to love too. We've got to love our children. This is natural, but I'm afraid not natural enough. As many parents don't seem to love their children enough to correct them or raise them up in the Lord, the kids, unfortunately, many times are running the show entirely too much. Well, well little, little, little Susie, you know, well, whatever you want to be, that's fine. They're not raising them up in the Lord. 
They're not showing them scriptures. They're not sitting down and praying with their children. If we love our children, the first thing we should want to do is save them from the fires of hell and raise them up to be good Christian wives, good Christian husbands. That's how you show you love your children. You try to show them you love them with gifts, but maybe you're not loving them enough to show them how to be a good dad or a good mom. What they see in you right now, in your home, is most likely how they will be when they grow up. Of the people that I counsel, I can oftentimes look back at their family of origin, see what was going on there, and they're repeating the same patterns, same mistakes, because it's what they know, it's what they understand, and so they're behaving in such a way that they understand. A lot of people, you know, get out of that pattern because they saw other examples where they made specific decisions to do differently. But we've got to love our children so much that we work on the family so that we can raise up the next generation to be God-fearing moms and dads and servants for the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Christ did a lot for the church, and we read this specifically. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Question is, what are husbands willing to do for their wives? Are you willing to die for her? Because that's what Christ did for the church. In Ephesians 5, we often focus on the passage that says, Wives, submit to your husbands. We don't have to do that. That's important. Well, just a few verses down, brothers, if we keep on reading. We see that the passage says to nourish and to cherish her. That's what also we should be doing. Giving her what she needs is what nourishing means because she could, should be a better woman because of you. Cherish her. Make her feel special. She needs this from you and she chose you to do this for her and you're the only one who should be doing that. And if you're not, some repentance is definitely in order. Wives, love and respect your husbands. Men, we got to be something to respect, first of all. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. And of these elements here, from where I sit, whenever I see people struggling, these are the things that they want. They want other things through communication, through, through other things that, that, that husbands and wives should give one another. But it can a lot of them all be summed up in what Paul told the Ephesian church Nourish and cherish your wife. Wives, respect, love your husbands. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. Whenever we do that, man, that will make your home all that it needs to be. It can be a sanctuary rather than a war zone. People everywhere in our homes and in our world, they need the gift of love. Also, people need the gift of patience. The verses that speak of the patience of God show him delaying his wrath. Romans chapter 9 and verse 22. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, he could very well do that. He brought the flood upon the people of Noah of his day. But he endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. He gave, us, he gave patience to us. In other words, he didn't, he didn't give us his wrath whenever we probably deserved it, whenever we need it, which is quite often. But instead, he was patient with us. 2 Peter chapter 3 
in verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. How patient are you with people in general? Are you patient at all? Do you consider the hardships they may be facing? Do you consider their point of view? Do you consider that your child has, for instance, we can oftentimes lose our patience with our children. Do you ever consider they've never been an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, a 16-year-old? Patience must be exercised with them so they can learn what you're trying to teach them. God has been patient with you, has he not? Have you ever met a rude person and been told later, well, that's just how he is or that's just the way she is? You know, they just, they just talk to people that way. I want to know, when can I use that excuse? i got a lot of things I'd like to say to some people. You know that? When can I use that excuse? Y'all, oh, y'all have to look over Dale. He always flies off the handle like that. Y'all just excuse him, please. Where can I get that card? Because some people are playing that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't speak that way to people, and neither should you. And if that's the way you are, as people will often say, then you need to change because your example should be that of Christ who was patient with people. Christ dwells in you, does he not? He knew that Judas was going to betray him, but he allowed it for the progression of the faith. He knew Peter was going to deny him, but told Peter what he needed to hear anyway. He knew James and John were hotheads, but he kept them around as well because he knew that he could do great things with them. Christ was patient with these people, and we need to be patient as well. Because patience speaks volumes to those that maybe need love, like I was talking about earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation, giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited. And later on in verse 6, you know, he mentions several things that we should be doing in purity and knowledge, in patience, he says, verse 6, in kindness and the Holy Spirit. Now look back again at verse 3 giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. For this ministry to be effective here at Birdwell's Chapel, we have got to be patient with those that are around us because patience tells people that you aren't perfect either. It tells other people that you know what they might be facing, that you know what they might be going through. It tells them you value them enough even though you might not understand them. Are we patient with our Christian brothers and sisters? I mean, I know that brothers and sisters fight. I see that. However, our relationships should be better than they are sometimes. We are all members of one body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we all have different talents, different things that we bring here. So we might not all get along, but we can all appreciate one another for what we can do. When we aren't patient, we often are mean to those 
that we should love. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Let's look there. 1 Peter chapter 3. Patience sometimes looks like you're just not saying anything. Sometimes patience is a listening ear. Sometimes patience is just telling somebody, hey, I know where you're coming from. I can understand that. I've been there. Sometimes patience says a lot of different things. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. We read this this morning in our young men's class. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil. Because, you see, we've got to be patient with the Lord, too. What did he say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So sometimes we've got to be patient with God also. But giving a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So Peter is telling us here how we can be godly, how we can live godly lives. And people, they need the gift of patience to live harmoniously, for us to be sympathetic, for us to be brotherly and kind-hearted and humble in spirit. And when you're those things, patience will just come right along. And others will see that you are giving them love, and others will see and be thankful that you are being patient with them. And finally, as we continue through the Christmas season, forgiveness. Maybe someone hasn't shown love to you like they should. Maybe someone has been impatient with you. Maybe someone rubs you the wrong way. It's time to offer that person forgiveness because we must all be merciful. We must forgive so that God will forgive us, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 15. And Paul speaks of the ungodly in Romans chapter 1 as not having mercy. That is something that we should have for others because it has been shown to us. Forgiveness is something that many of us struggle with. James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, if you'd like to turn there. Here James is telling his readers that you must keep the points of the law. You can't commit adultery and not commit murder and, and think that you're okay. You can't ignore one part of what has been taught, do another, and, and think that you're all right. And James chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Forgiveness might be the one thing that you struggle with. And you're carrying that burden around every single day. When you see that person, when you think of that person, forgiveness is so far away from your heart. But let me tell you something. You get rid of that. That's a gift that you give to yourself too. When you give love, that's to the other person. It benefits you, no doubt. But forgiveness, more than even the other two, is more of a gift for you than even it is to the other person. So how merciful are you? Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 17 says, The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. There's an old adage that you might see on social media from time to time. I think it's reflective of this verse. It would say something like, Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. That's truly something that you can have. On July 20th, 2012, James Holmes walked into the midnight showing of The Dark Knight Rises in Aurora, Colorado, and opened fire. The senseless tragedy took the lives of 12 people and injured 58 more. 
Pierce O'Farrell was among the injured, suffering three gunshot wounds. Fortunately, his injuries were not life-threatening, and he was released from the hospital a few days later. Well, any hate or bitterness he could have felt would have been understandable. O'Farrell chose compassion. He chose forgiveness. He chose mercy instead. In reference to Holmes, he said, of course I forgive him. When I saw him in his hearing, I felt nothing but sorrow for him. Six months later, when the theater reopened, O'Farrell went back to the seat he was sitting in on that tragic night as a form of closure. Some of you need closure on something in your life this morning. Some event or some person still bothers you. Well, this is a barrier to your own forgiveness from God, and it's a barrier to you having peace on this earth. So give yourself the gift of forgiveness this Christmas. Because as you forgive, God will forgive you as well. All of these are some of the best gifts you can give anyone. And you will both reap the benefits. So we all need to love more. We need to be more patient. And we need to forgive without limits. Maybe you struggle with one of these and you need prayers this morning. Maybe you need to pray yourself. To have more of one of these, because let me tell you, it brings about peace. When you're not focusing on the negativity in your life, but rather focusing on the love that God has for you, the patience He has had with you, and the forgiveness that He has offered each one of us that we can take advantage of this morning. Because if you are a sinner who has gone back to your old ways of life, you forgot about the new person you became, and you're back to your old ways, come forward. And we can pray for you that you can have forgiveness of those sins. Or if you are not yet a Christian, you need to put on Christ this morning. Come forward and we can assist you in that as well and baptize you in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Won't you do so now as we stand and sing?